Tappers, what's up? It is the Wednesday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope everybody is doing well. We are going to talk today about the NFL draft, things that would surprise me as a Packer fan and moves the Packers would make that would literally floor me where I am pulling up my phone and I'm like, are you kidding me? Jordan Love ask a Jordan Love surprise. What would be this year's version of the Jordan Love surprise? Then we will talk about the Milwaukee Bucks learning from their mistakes, potentially showing us the playoff closing time strategy, if you will, uh, tonight against the Charlotte Hornets. We'll recap that. We'll also recap the Brewers and why Tyrone Taylor needs to be a routine player for Milwaukee. We'll get into all of that. But let's start with the NFL Draft. So we've been talking about the NFL Draft. I'm sure you listened to Murph and I chop it up about the just previewing the draft in whole. And I thought it still needed to be synthesized a little bit because, look, everybody's going to be talking about the draft. There is all sorts of draft buzz that is going on right now. When the Green Bay Packers pick at 29, they aren't really part of the buzz. Um, there's not really that much discussion. There's some Joe Tyron uh, stuff that's going on right now, who Murph and I really didn't cover yesterday. Um, that's the only thing I've really seen. We've seen Elijah Moore climb. We've seen Caleb Farley fall. Uh, we've seen, who else is there? Aline McNeil has, has risen to the top second round pick. Um, so there, there are names that are just moving and shaking, and it's basically on the Vegas boards because people are gambling on this because A, people have a problem, and B, it, gambling is legal in a lot of states. So people are having fun with the NFL draft and hearing rumors, and one rumor that's on the internet sparks a guy's draft stock either up or it knocks him down. So who knows what Green Bay might do? I think we have no idea. I I, I was going to talk about this with Murph. We, I didn't get to it. But I think that people are trying so hard to guess exactly what Brian Gunacoust does in the NFL draft. I know he has things that he likes. The Roz score has almost become overrated. Like the Roz score was cool last year. It's like a band who gets popular. It's a Mumford and Sons for me. I always talk about how Mumford and Sons, I loved their first album. I absolutely adored their first album. I for sure as hell wasn't the first person on Mumford and Sons, but I wasn't necessarily the last one either. And then they got their second album, and their second album was a little more cheery. Their third album, it was like, all right, we've made a ton of money. We've done arena shows. Like, we don't need any more cash. We're going to mail it in moving forward. Now, they've had some good songs um, since the, the first two albums, don't get me wrong. But they're not the same angry dudes that they were the first time around. That's kind of what the Roz score is. Like the Roz score was a real thing that some of the Packer Twitter knew about a couple years ago. They even knew about it last year. They talked about it and they saw that it was kind of a trend with Gunacoust. And now it's like, okay, we just look at Roz scores. We look at positions of need and we're like, all right, that's a guy that Gunacoust is going to take in the first round or the second round. And we're going to make predictions off of that. And we're going to kind of get formulaic with it. And it's like, you know, Here's the thing. None of us know. Mock drafts, you're lucky to get four or five picks correct, right? 
I don't know what the I know they do like uh, the Pro Football Writers of America. I think submit mock drafts, and they you know kind of give an award to whoever gets the most picks right. And I think the most picks right is like eight or nine. At mo- like that's I think a really good performance. So think about that. Eight and nine. That's that's less. That's like twenty five percent. There's thirty two draft picks. So that's to say, like, we have no idea what the Green Bay Packers are going to do. None of us know. And I, I get it. We need the clicks and we need that attention and people want to click on that type of shit. And there are people who have Packer-specific blogs where they're like, look, I have to write, I have to talk about the Packers, so I'm going to kind of try to do as much as I can. But in, in the end of the day, none of us know. And so that leads to what can be surprises. What what can surprise us in this draft, which makes us scream out, I can't believe they're fucking doing this. I can still remember the NFL draft last year where we were all excited to get Justin Jefferson. We thought Justin Jefferson was going to be a Packer. And maybe it was Brandon Ayuk. And, and there was a lot of back and forth. And was it Ayuk? Was it Jefferson? We thought these guys were going to be Green Bay Packers. Simultaneously, I shit you not, and pun intended, Justin Jefferson's drafted by the Vikings. My new dog, who now is a year with me, Lily, my ride or die, shits in the room that I'm taping this podcast in. Just takes a massive wet shit. And I step in it. I step away from a Zoom because I'm doing a Zoom call with my friends because this is right in the height of the pandemic where none of us could really leave our house. And so, yeah. And I was like, all right, this is going to get ugly. And then Jordan Love gets drafted. And I reacted pretty negatively to Jordan Love. And then as I kind of understood it and made more sense of it, by the end of the week, I was on board. But it was a surprise. So what would be a Jordan Love-like surprise in this year's draft for Green Bay? Number one would be trading Jordan Love, right? That would be the number one. It would be trading Jordan Love. It would be moving on from Jordan Love. Let's say the Denver Broncos strike out on quarterbacks or they really don't like any of the quarterbacks. I find that hard to believe. But they don't like any of the quarterbacks and they do a deal that involves Jordan Love to the Broncos for a second and maybe a third round and next year's second or something along those lines. I don't know. And Jordan Love gets traded. The New England Patriots strike out. They don't move up. Now, apparently, they're trying to move up into the top 10 and dangling Stephon Gilmore. That's a very interesting dangle when you consider the Dallas Cowboys need a, need a quarter, or cornerback Oh, would you know that Stephon Gilmore, one of the best in the league, former defensive player of the year, to get up to 10 where they could probably draft the fifth quarterback. Maybe not, but they probably could. So who knows? But if they can't do that, maybe they look after a guy like Jordan Love. If Jordan Love's going to get traded, I'll put it this way. It, it will be tomorrow night. It will be tomorrow night. Jordan Love will get moved tomorrow night because that makes the most sense to move on from love uh, with a you know a first round pick like that's how you would move on because Jordan Love at this point if you talk to some of the people who know quarterbacks he would be slotted right around that 4 or 5 spot so that would be a huge surprise another huge surprise 
would be Green Bay Packers drafting an edge rusher. Now, I know there are a lot of edge guys being brought up. Joe Tyron, guy we mentioned a little while ago, he's he's been brought up. This is not a very good edge draft, so you might be able to kind of get some value from where you're picking. But I think everyone would be stunned if that's the move they went with. Now, I know with contracts and how everything works, they need to kind of build that young pass rush. And they have the old bulls and they have the new guns and whatever. I butchered that completely, but that's okay. They need, they still need to build that depth at the edge position. It's not a position of need, but if that's the best player on their board, then all right, let's, let's cook. If they don't believe the wide receivers available, whether that's Kadarius Toney or Rondale Moore or Elijah Moore, um, then okay. I actually would be surprised if they drafted Tony or Moore. Uh, uh, Tony or Rondale Moore, excuse me. Uh, not Elijah. If they draft Elijah, I can see that. Slop guy, whatever. I'd be surprised if they drafted a guy who's kind of a gadget dude. I just don't see that as a Packer first rounder. If you look through the history of Packer first rounders, there isn't really a guy that you can say, all right, yeah, that was the typical player of of Moore or Tony. Those guys don't really exist with the Green Bay Packers. Now you can say, well, it's a different time, different era. Those guys kind of didn't even exist. Those guys would be told they're too small to play football. But it's... It's really hard for me to say, all right, they're going to draft a 5'7 wide receiver and a guy who also has had some trouble staying on the, staying on the field. I, I can't see it. I'd be, I would be very surprised. I know a lot of people will be happy and, and good on them. And I'm not going to shit on their parade because, look, I think they can help the Packers. I can buy into it. I, I would understand that there are other guys maybe available. Maybe the offensive line kind of ran dry. Um, I, I think another real surprise would be if they drafted an interior lineman. I think Landon Dickerson's the only one that's around there. Maybe Creed Humphrey. Um, I would be surprised they drafted an interior lineman in the first round. I will not be surprised they draft a tackle, obviously. That's, that is no surprise whatsoever. Let's see, other surprises. Is there any other thing that would floor me? I wouldn't be surprised they traded up. I guess I'd be surprised they traded up into like the top 10. Anything above like 15, I, I would consider a surprise. Trading down, again, not a surprise. Offensive lineman, no. So there aren't a lot of things that would floor me besides the ones that we mentioned. And it, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how this draft board falls. Because I saw, who's mock draft did I see? Chris, Chris Sims? We had a lot of buzz because Justin Fields was 32nd. And someone called Packer Twitter were like, look, if Justin Fields is available at 29, you draft him. And guess what? I I agree. (laughs) If Justin Fields is available at 29, man, fuck it. Like, whatever. Figure it out. If you think he's better than Jordan Love, go for it. But if they don't, maybe not. Anyways. He had Rashawn Slater going to the Bears at 20. And if Rashawn Slater is available at 19 or 18 and the Packers don't make a move for him, that would be surprising. I think that's the other part of the surprise, right? 
if some guy's available that you're like, this guy was supposed to be a top 10 pick or this guy was supposed to be a top 15 pick and they're not making a move for him, tells me two things. One, there's something that does not click for the Green Bay Packers. And two, the value just isn't there. Whatever they're, whatever that team is asking for to get to move up is not worth that player. So we'll see. It's going to be a fun time. I'm looking forward to it. I'm very excited as always. I'm not going to be watching the draft. I think for the first time in a really long time, I can't, I, I'd have to, I think since maybe the Dominican Republic, so that was the Mahomes draft, that was five years ago. I was at, in the Dominican Republic. The Bucks were playing the Raptors in game six. I think that was Giannis's first playoffs. They was when the Bucks got down a crazy amount and then they came back and they almost beat the Raptors. And that was the Trubisky draft. I, I, I kind of remember like we were watching like a performance and I, I, t- I worked it out with my fiance that I was like girlfriend at the time, early girlfriend too, where I was like, hey, the draft's going on. I, n- I, I know I'm not going to be that engaged. Like, are you okay if we just kind of hang out and I keep myself updated while just drinking and, and vibing out to some like Caribbean music? She's like, yeah, that's fine. And, and, and this is why you don't just try to hide this shit from your your significant other little little pro tip you just be up front and you just be honest like hey look this is where my head's gonna be tonight just letting you know it works out most of the time sometimes they're not so cool like today i i watched a little bit of the brewers i i listened to a lot of the bucks game but i was listening to most of that through radio because i didn't want to fuck up fuck with bally sports because I got all my apps switched today. And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this in front of my fiance because I guarantee you she would have a conniption. But that's, a, you know, whatever. It, it happens. But speaking of those games, let's move on. All right. Talking Milwaukee Bucks. So Milwaukee Bucks today had a great win against the Charlotte Hornets. They won 114 to 104. The Bucs were out ahead early. It looked like this was going to be not too much of an exciting second half. The Bucs were up 62 to 45. They seemed to really be clicking on all cylinders. Similarly to what we saw against Philadelphia the first, actually both games. But I really more the first game because Philly had him beat in that one. And then they slogged. They had a really kind of rough third quarter. I think they only scored 16 points in that third quarter. And it was like, all right, well, all right, this is going to get a little close. And I think they were only up seven by by the fourth quarter. And Charlotte started to come back. And it was like, all right, here we go again. We talked about the fourth quarter problems on Monday's show. It's been a real issue for the Milwaukee Bucks all of April. And was pointed out by John Schumann that the Bucks have blown four fourth quarter leads in the in April alone. They're 37 and 4 in other situations where they've led by more than 5 points in the fourth quarter. All the games they've blown in that scenario have been in April, which justifies everything we were talking about on Monday. Go back and listen to that where we kind of deep dived a lot of the fourth quarter problems. But those problems did not really come to roost against Charlotte. And part of it was we started to see more P.J. Tucker on defense early and often. 
They brought in P.J. Tucker around the three-minute mark, and then they were rotating him in and out with Brooke Lopez. So P.J. Tucker would be on defense, Brooke Lopez on offense. That was their best-case scenario. They weren't doing it all the time, but that was basically how they were operating. Offense, defense, and Brooke had a good night. Brooke had 22 points. He played really well. And so you wanted him on the court. He was kind of your second-best second option next to Middleton. And the Bucks slammed the door on Charlotte. They pulled away. They covered, which they were a nine-point favorite, which was wild um, that they were a nine, nine-and-a-half. I did not bet it. And they covered that spread at the very end, which more power to the Bucks on that. And the whole thing is, is they actually were able to sort of grind it out and win a fourth quarter. And they have not really done that. They've not put away a team all month really like i'm trying to think of an example where they put a team away in the fourth quarter i'm not going to consider that first philly game because they were up by double i mean they were i mean that game was in the bag it was gaining interest maybe not at that point maybe a little strong the game on saturday sure as fuck was but other than that you look back at the month of april and you're like when was the last time the bucks just sort of buried a team in the fourth quarter Maybe the Lakers a little bit, but again, that was kind of a blowout. And I don't even think that was in April. They did not come down to the wire with Charlotte. They pulled away. And I know spreads, whatever, sometimes gambling gets overdone. But that was what Vegas projected them to win by. Nine and a half points. They won by 10. So they won where, their project, where they were projected, basically. That tells me what I need to know about this Bucks team in terms of closing out a basketball game and how you get it done. And they did not let Charlotte hang around. They were like, nope, we are ending this game. And, and they did that. And good for them. Good night for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Really a standard night at the office. 29 points, 12 boards, 8, eight rebounds. Another team that doesn't really have that much of an answer for him. There's Bismack Biombo, but that's it. Um, it. It was also good to just beat Charlotte. They lost two games to the Hornets this year. Now one, they rested everybody. The second one was the lifeless game they played against the Hornets on a Saturday back-to-back when they had already lost to New Orleans. You may have remembered that game review outside of Eagle Park where I just fucking went off on the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, it helps to have a few beers when you, before you do those reviews, let me tell you. I, if I think I would do all those reviews, like half in the bag, if I, if I could, but I would also be like 340 pounds if I was drinking crafts every night. Um, other things that to note caught my eye... Uh, I think the Bucks. it was Bryn Forbes, just a really quick Bryn Forbes note. If Bryn Forbes is on, I think the Bucks are like almost unstoppable. And I know that's a weird guy to be like, oh, Bryn Forbes is like the straw that stirs a drink. I'm not going that far, but I'm more saying if they can get 10 to 15 points from Bryn Forbes, that is already a win in the win column in terms of things you just do not expect. Like, Bryn Forbes picked up the fact that Bob Portis had a rough night. Bob Portis didn't really play much. He only played 13 minutes. So he, he only had five points in those 13 minutes. But Bryn Forbes was hot. And I don't know if he's exactly part of the playoff rotation. I'm not sure yet. But I do think that it's worth checking in on Bryn Forbes to be like, all right, Bryn, do you have it tonight? 
like or late first quarter in a playoff game, are you going to be on fire or are you just going to be throwing up bricks? Because remember, he on on uh, Sunday he didn't make a goddamn shot. He couldn't hit water if he fell out of boat. And then tonight he's red hot. He's very streaky. But a guy like Bryn Forbes getting on a hot streak is like akin to a, a Jay Crowder last year. Like, what's to say Bryn Forbes can't be the Jay Crowder of the Bucks and just absolutely make everything and be like 50% from three? It's possible. Don't sleep on that. Just don't sleep on the idea that maybe Bryn Forbes could be could be the dude. And also, too, what? why have we crowned Dante DiVincenzo as a starter? Like, I, I think that he's bet, Dante is better than Bryn overall, especially defensively. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's the answer. But man, Dante just on offense is lifeless. I don't. I just don't know what you're getting from Dante on offense. He just every now and again it's a flash, but I, I can't help but think Dante is just a role player off the bench. And that's my last sort of Bucks take for the day. They play Houston and Chicago to wrap up the week. Um, Houston on Thursday on draft night, which. No one will care about. And then Chicago on Friday. That Houston one, I would imagine they basically go with their B squad. I think their B squad could be all right against Houston. So I would imagine they go with the B squad. Houston doesn't want to win basketball games right now. They have to be in the top three so they don't give Oklahoma City their pick. So they don't want to win a single basketball game right now. Let's wrap up today's show with the Milwaukee Brewers. So Brewers got a nice win today. They win 5-4. We didn't talk about the game yesterday uh, because Murph and I just did the NFL draft. 8-0 loss. One thing I uncovered doing the blog yesterday, snowtypewi.com. Make sure you're reading that as well as listening to us. Um, they are 2-5 so far on the first games of series. They, their only two wins are opening day and the one against the Padres. Other than that, the Brewers are 2-5. Now, considering they only have eight losses, it's kind of incredible, right? Like, all their losses have come in those first games of the series. And then the rest of them, it's pretty good for them. They win 5-4. to four. Adrian Hauser pitched kind of Adrian Hauser-like. Like, it wasn't like he was terrible. It wasn't like he was electric. Adrian Hauser is a solid fourth starter. And, that is, and I know right now he's kind of the third starter if you go in the rotation. But really where Hauser needs to kind of be is that he's more the fourth starter. Because Freddie Peralta, it's weird, right? They they do it as Woodruff, Burns, Hauser, Anderson, Peralta. But in my mind, it really starts with Peralta, Woodruff, Burns, Hauser. Now, I'm not making Freddie Peralta the ace. No, no question about it. It's more just... When does the Brewer rotation start to flip over? And it flips with Freddie instead of uh, Brandon Woodruff. And so Hauser just, he was adequate. He hit a home run, which was awesome. I mean, he hit it deep. Like that was in the deepest part of Miller Park. And he let that thing go. And then Tyrone Taylor also went back to back, had a massive shot. Tyrone Taylor continues to rake. He had three RBIs in this game. And Tyrone Taylor needs to be a regular player for the Brewers. I don't think the Brewers can send Tyrone Taylor down after this stint. 
There's no reason. Tyrone Taylor looks like he belongs. And he was really good in this game. And Tyrone Taylor is trying to tell Craig Council, look, play me more. I want to be in this lineup. I want to take Billy McKinney's spot. And now Billy McKinney had some big moments on the road trip, but he didn't really hit that well. He was, I think, four for 21. So, and, and now three of them were home runs. So you're like, all right, Big Bill had some moments. But you got to maybe give Tyrone Taylor the shot this week. If Yelich is going to be out all weekend, like Tyrone Taylor should be on out, out there, especially when you're facing some lefties. I think they have Clayton Kershaw on deck. They might have uh, Julio Urias. Urias, Urias, like, come on, man. That's just too hard for my pronunciations uh, on that one. But regardless, Tyrone Taylor should get more shots than just against lefties. This guy it has a really nice approach to the plate. He can hit the ball a metric ton. He just he sprays the ball a little bit. Like There's a lot to like about Tyrone Taylor. So now I know what you guys are saying. Well, Chuck, how the hell are they going to figure out their bench and everything that goes along with it? <sighs> this hurts, but I think Danny Double Cheese's time is done with the Brewers. I love Dan Vogelbach. I think Dan Vogelbach is an awesome guy to have on the Brewers. Similar to Miller Park, which I said earlier. I hope you caught it. Um, similar how Miller Park is just synonymous with the Brewers because of the beer and everything like that. Dan Vogelbach is synonymous to Milwaukee. There are guys that look like Dan Vogelbach at every fucking corner bar in the state of Wisconsin. Literally go into any of them. Go to one in Antigua. Go to one in Shawano. I actually don't. That's, they have crazy cults. Go into one in Prairie du Chien. You're going to find a guy who kind of looks like Dan Vogelbach. So to lose Dan Vogelbach is just sucks. Hate it. But look, Billy McKinney can play first base. He is a little short first base, but so is Keston here for that matter. And then that means Tyrone Taylor is your fourth outfielder. And Billy McKinney can also rotate in as outfielder as well if need be. But that's how you keep both on the starting roster. And there's no way... They would DFA Billy McKinney. Billy McKinney has obviously proved his worth. And I think Tyrone Taylor has too. It's hard for me not to look at Tyrone Taylor and say, this guy's not a ball player. He's a ball player. He can maybe not be an everyday guy, but he can be a guy once in a while. A spell of Jackie Bradley, spell of Lorenzo Cain, spell an Avi Garcia. Like Avi Garcia has not been hitting the ball that well recently. What what's to say Tyrone Taylor can't play right field tomorrow? Fuck it. Let's do it. Let's see what he has. Very curious. I think that there is a bright future there. The Brewers keep doing this, where they keep finding guys that just come up with big moments. And it's not Yelich, Kane, Colt Long is back, he's on a hot streak, but this team is 14 and 8 without some of their best starters. I talked about this on Monday. So I don't want to get into the entitlement, but they're they're really good guys. They are they are a very good baseball team. Bullpen mostly solid tonight too. Um, you had a blip from Brett Suter, but other than that, fine. Devin Williams electric again. He's starting to feel it. I think everybody can say Devin Williams is back. Two strikeouts, and then Josh Hader took care of business like he usually does. So let's get the the week the series against the fish tomorrow. 
Not sure how that's going to go or today um, when you're probably listening to this because it's an early game. Zach Godley on the mound for the Brewers. And they have to make a move. So probably sending Corey right back. I hope not. Maybe Bickford. Big, oh, no, they already sent Bickford. I don't know who else they would move. I think it would probably be our guy, Corey Ray, who just keeps moving up and down, which I feel bad for. But yes, uh, Zach Godley on the mound for the Brewers. He has not been a good starter. Let's see. When was the last time Zach Godley was a good starter? Now, the Brewers have been have worked, you know, reclamation projects before. But that was kind of like the Derek, uh, the Derek Johnson era. Let me here pull up Zach Godley. Zach with a K, by the way, if you guys are wondering. Let's see. Zach Godley here. He was hot track. Like, I don't gamble against my team. I just don't. Um, it's not, not who I am. But I'll tell you what. If you are one of those people, might be a good idea. Just, just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there for you. I'm spending way too much time getting Zach Godley stats. It's okay. It's why I, as Ryan Rossillo says, we'll get an IT on it. Like, I need IT on this right now. He went to uh, Tennessee, if anyone was wondering. All right, so it looks like, I think, 2018. I'm not going to bore you any longer with Zach Godley stats. I got to go. It's late. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a great Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow. I don't know what we'll talk about because we got – everybody will be drafted out by then. Um, maybe my favorite Packer. Ooh, actually, I like that. Favorite Packer draft moments? Let's do that. I'll, I'll, I'll go back into the vault um, try to figure out some of my favorite draft moments. I have a good John Michaels story. Um, that will definitely make the favorite draft moments. So let's do that. And we'll uh, recap whatever happens with the Brewers. And whoever, who knows what else comes down the wire. Maybe I'll do the horse racing story tomorrow. I, I was talking, I teased this at the, Murphs, the end of the Murph podcast, but I have a whole story about how I got real deep in the horse racing last year. And feel like that's probably worth telling. And knowing that Friday show we have the draft recap, and also I will be uh, at the American Family Field, so I can talk about my experience um, in the COVID environment as a spectator. So I think both of those will probably take up a majority of the show. So let's do horse racing tomorrow. All right, that's the show. We got draft surprises, maybe some brewer stuff, and horse racing. All right. Take care, guys. Have yourself a lovely Wednesday. Back tomorrow. Bye.